This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 30 seconds to yeah. air. What do you think about Actually, flowers? Think for the show notes. Yes. Uh, Anyone have the promo for the show notes? Wait, where's the Fiji water? Is this, this isn't, is this tap water? 15 seconds. Somebody get the cat. I can't drink tap Grab water. Grab the cat. Can, can someone tell Joe's mom to stop vacuuming? It's not hard to find. Has anybody this seen feet. my hair gel? Artesian water. Natural. Quiet on the set. Live in three, two. from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and are you new with money or have a loved one who needs to learn the basics? Today, we welcome a panel talking all things money for new savers. Joining us, say hello to the author of the hit new book, First to a million, Dan Sheeks. Plus, a woman who teaches people about money every day and with her children, it's CFP Katie Brewer. And our own guy teaching three kids about money, OG. But that's not all. Halfway through today's show, we'll see which of our contestants can slay my diabolical trivia question. And now, a guy who someday will learn about the basics himself, it's Joe Salcihai. Hey, stackers. Happy Friday to you. I am Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And you know what's funny, Doug, is when I was a financial planner, we used to have, you know, Fridays out, happy hour after a long week. And we'd have these fun discussions about things your, uh, your clients would not want to have you say. Like when they would say, man, I'm new to this. They wouldn't want to hear you go, yeah, that's two of us. You know? <laughs> so I, I hope I know, to your point in the intro, I hope I do know the basics. If I don't, our whole panel's in trouble. Actually, they're not in trouble because it's not my panel. We do have experts here with you today. Let's introduce them. First of all, the guy across the card table from me, Mr. OG is here. How are you, man? Just another beautiful day in paradise. The key question for you is, how do you teach a kid to not run the car through your garage wall? That is like the key question we're asking you. I think my proudest moment of that was when my daughter said, 
Daddy, you didn't use any bad words that whole time. <laughs> That's a, <laughs> that very very well well might be might be a win for you especially, I think. And yeah. the gentleman is here all the way from Denver, Colorado. It's about time we had him on. We've been talking about having this guy on forever. Dan Sheeks is here. How are you, man? I'm doing okay. I'm kind of freezing my butt off. It's nine degrees here in Denver right now, and it's snowing as we speak. So, God, I feel bad, Dan, because it's only like 72 here, and I'm freezing too. It's like horrible. I did put the air conditioning on. It was getting a little sweaty. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk just a second, Dan, not about the weather, but about your book, because you're creating Sheik's Freaks. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. You are dead on right. Sheik's Freaks, they're out there. And you are a, uh, you're a high school or were a high school business teacher. Tell everybody about your background and why you decided to teach kids about financial independence. Yeah, I still am. I still am a teacher. I've been a high school business teacher for 20 years, all here in Colorado. Uh, so I've been working with teenagers for a long time. It's what I do all day, every day. I love working with young people. And I've, I've taught classes like entrepreneurship, personal finance, and marketing. So that's kind of my jam is talking to young people, getting them interested in their financial future, trying to incentivize them to take action now rather than later. Uh, and that's really what the book is about. The book is specifically for young people, and it does have some basic personal finance education you know, in it, which is very important. But really, my book goes to that next level and talks about early financial independence. What is that? How would you achieve that? What are strategies, topics, concepts around early financial independence or early financial freedom? You yourself got interested in reading the introduction to your book. You got interested in financial independence. How? How did you, the light bulb come on in Dan Sheik's head? Yeah, it was a combination of a few things happening all at once. I met my wife. Uh, this was about eight years ago. She was just starting to get uh, into real estate investing. I had one property at the time. We found a community called Bigger Pockets. We found a community called Choose a Fi. And we went down that rabbit hole of early FI, early financial independence, real estate investing, passive income, mindset, entrepreneurship, the whole thing, and never looked back. And that's, that's, that's the story. That's super exciting. And the amount, by the way, you can accomplish in eight years, I would think is just amazing, just with mindset. You know, it is. I, at this point, uh, eight short years later, uh, my wife is retired. I'm semi-retired. I, I work half-time as a teacher now. I run the community on, on the side. It's more of a passion project. And we get to be at home pretty much all the time with our son, which is, which is huge for us. We're super happy you're here with us. Let's introduce everyone to the third member of the panel. Anybody who's been a Stacking Benjamins fan for a while knows this woman, and she is a frequent flyer card to our Friday episodes. Uh, CFP Katie Brewer from Your Richest Life Planning's here. How are you, Katie? Yeah, right here. I've got a secret frequent <laughs> flyer card. Yeah. I'm doing good. You are raising uh, kids of your own. Are they teenagers? I've got the one in middle school, which is... The funnest years when everything you do is wrong and everything is met with humongous eye rolls and um, over overreaction. It's fun I, stuff. No, no. The best part's coming. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I hear. My spouse, Cheryl, and I met coaching middle school track. And, and uh, maybe it's because I wasn't the parent, but it, it was super fun coaching middle schoolers. I absolutely love those days. 
So yeah, they're little weirdos, but they're fun to be around. <laughs> We've got Katie here, who's teaching a weirdo. Dan teaching a bunch of weirdos. OG with three weirdos. Is it polite to call kids weirdos? I don't know. Freaks. Little Ferraris. Call freaks. Call them freaks. Yeah. Yeah, we'll call them freaks. We'll call them sheiks freaks in the making. So or Ferraris going through OG's garage. One of the two. But before we do that, Katie. It's been a while since you've been on. Did you know that before we start every episode, we have a very important discussion? I do now. Yeah, we always talk about this. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Wasn't that important? That was. I'm so glad that you filled me in. Yes, absolutely. All right, Dan, Doug, OG, Katie, let's get going. Our discussion is going to focus on a piece that I found from uh, the Ramsey company. Long time since we've talked about Dave Ramsey on the show. We're, we're, we're not going to really talk about Dave Ramsey as much as we're going to talk about this piece because it kind of addresses where we're headed. And it's personal finance for teens, how to teach teenagers about money. And we're going to riff off this a little bit. We'll link to it in our show notes if people want to follow along at stackingbenjamins.com. But before we even get to the anything that's in the piece, Dan, I want to start with you. Wrong ways to teach teenagers about money. You talk to teenagers every day. What are some of the wrong things you see people doing when they approach teenagers about learning about money? Uh, there, <laughs> there's a lot of things people are doing wrong. So I, I talk to a lot of parents as well, honestly, uh, parents of teens. Yeah, so if, if you have a teenager and you want them to fail – with money, then I would say, don't let them get a part-time job. Don't let them get a credit card. Don't let them pay the bills of the household. Don't have money conversations. I could go on. Basically, just be like a typical American family and keep money conversations off to the side. Make it hush-hush. Keep it secret. And don't involve your kids and what's going on. Every household is a small business. Don't include them in that. And then you will be successful at raising a 
financially illiterate adult. <laughs> Kudos to you. Good job. Yes. I want to ask you about one of those because I know some people stop the car. I've been doing this long enough, Dan, to know when you said credit card, don't let them have a credit card. There's a bunch of people listening to this like, hell no, my teenager doesn't need a credit card. Why does a teenager need a credit card? I recommend they get three, honestly. Now, step one is to teach that teenager how to use a credit card responsibly, all right? So let's make sure we're on, on the same page. Teach them how to use a credit card responsibly, which may start with a debit card or a secured credit card. But once they are, are responsible with it, they know how to use it, then credit cards are an amazing tool to build credit, even at a young age, even before age, age 18, honestly. So I recommend to, to the young people I work with, I recommend they get a first credit card the day they turn 18, roll out of bed, go to the computer, apply for credit card number one, get credit card number two when you turn 19, and number three when you turn about 19 and a half, use every credit card every month, pay them all off the entire balance on time every month. And your credit score will skyrocket in a matter of a couple of years. Do you like mom or dad giving uh, kids access to their credit card to build that credit earlier before 18? Absolutely. If Yeah, that's the only way to do it if they're not 18 yet is to add them uh, as an authorized user on a parent's credit card, which is something, it's a hack. And it's a hack that I, I encourage parents to do. Katie, a different question for you. I know there's a lot of people listening and they're listening because they don't feel like they're good with money yet, right? How can I be a role model for other people if I don't have my act together? What do you say to those people? I feel like if you discuss what you, like how you learned about money and then what you've learned over the years, even if you're not like perfect with money, I feel like that helps just instill the ability to have conversations about money and just not avoiding it. So for example, I buy way too much jewelry, like way too much. I'm frugal in every other area of my life. Me and Doug, man. Um, <laughs> I, so I order what's called the Kidder Scott all the time. And I tell my daughter like, hey, this is my one thing that I do. I really don't spend money on anything else. So you're not going to see me walking in the door with like three Starbucks a day. But just so you know, this is what I spend money on and I like spending money on. Do I think that's perfect? No, not really. Because if I wanted to instill being a cheap ass in her, I would never order anything for me ever. But rather than like take that and hide it and, you know, like instill shame in that, I'd say, here, look, this is the thing that I ordered. I ordered jewelry. I like it. It's used. So I saved a couple bucks. But, you know, decide what's important to you and you can spend money on that. But then you've got to cut back on everything else. Oh, gee, it's interesting. You know, you and I have been friends for a long time. And when you're taking the family on these trips in a plane, there's not a lot of families that go on vacation on a plane, like teaching them not just about money, but about how this is not what their reality might, <laughs> their reality might not be this right out of college. Like, how do you have some of these experiences you have with your kids? And at the same time, you know, make sure they're grounded when it comes to money. 27 years, nine days and 11 minutes, but uh, who's counting? How many Until? friends? How, how, many, how much time we've been friends? Oh, <laughs> he's got the counter running. He's like, but it feels longer than that. But it feels <laughs> yeah. far, 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 far longer. You know, I think it's funny because obviously we have a pretty open, maybe not obviously, we have a pretty open money type conversation going on in our house all the time. And one of my middle kid, one of my middle kids, my middle kid, uh, said to me the other day, he said, Dad, I saw on YouTube that 
you're not supposed to buy anything unless you can pay for it three times in cash. And I said, okay, yeah, I can sign off on that. That sounds like a good thing. And he goes, how did you buy the house? How did you buy the plane? Oh, How did you, you know, it kind of, kind of gave me a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, a little something back. Right. And I thought that was a pretty good thing, but we have way different personalities. My daughter is six. She doesn't quite get any of this stuff yet. She, you know, she's working on it, but the boys to Dan's point, they both are authorized users on two credit cards. American Express allows you to get it at 13. Apple card will let you get it at 13. So they've got the Amex, they've got the MasterCard. It's used everywhere. They're covered, but that's largely out of need. You know, it's like the vending machines at the kid's school take a little bit of cash, but the kids don't carry wallets anymore. They carry their phones, you know? And so like to be able to Apple pay to get a Coke or something like that, I think. But the other thing that we do is take the bill and go through it with them. We don't necessarily make them, you know, pay for everything that they spend, you know, and that sort of thing. But we do go through it with them to say, okay, so $2 three times a day, I've noticed you must be really hungry at lunchtime. Is there something else we can do at lunchtime as opposed to eating two bags of chips and a Coke, which is fine. I'm okay with it, but you know, let's explore how that is $30 a week. And you know, that's a hundred dollars a month and that sort of thing. There's no nutritional discussion there. Yeah. Also maybe just a scotia that, but they're <laughs> teenage boys. My, I think my oldest the other day ate like two cheeseburgers, a protein shake, two peanut butter sandwiches and bowl of ice cream for lunch or for oh. dinner. And was like, Dad, I'm still hungry. Was there anything else? <laughs> like, there's some salad. He's like, Ugh. I'll just have Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> I asked for food. I asked for food, not <laughs> rabbit. Salad is what my food eats, Dad. Anyways. Um, yeah, Dan, in that question that I asked Katie and OG about uh, discuss, it was interesting hearing like where their two answers melded, which was much more around just having open conversations, right? Katie talking about buying jewelry. OG having these discussions about how we afford some of these things. Do you agree this much more about the discussion than about being right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think if you have kids at home, it absolutely starts with discussions and there's so many different topics around money that we can discuss with our kids that are interesting. It doesn't have to be boring, like, you know, just data driven conversations like Katie's propensity to buy lots of jewelry. That is an excellent teaching moment I, I teach and I write about in my book, it's okay to spend even lavishly on things you value because you should. And so Katie loves her jewelry. She values that. Uh, she spends a lot of money on jewelry. That's okay. But she's not spending money on things she doesn't. I'm a little disappointed, Katie, that I, I, I don't see a lot of jewelry on you right now. A couple of earrings, I guess. Where's your tiara? <laughs> Got a little, yeah. little bling. Where's the bling? <laughs> and once again... Doug's not wearing his TR either. So, but I've got my crunk on the front teeth. There got it my, is. There you go. Got my grill on. Yeah, have discussions about why do we spend money on this and not that, or as a parent, why do you spend money on this and not that? For me, I I could equally I could match Katie's uh, example by saying I I live in Colorado and I love to mountain bike, so I, I have a very expensive mountain bike. So if my son asked me about that, I would say, well, I spend a lot of money on that because I use it all the time, and I I love that hobby, but I, you won't see me spend a lot of money on clothes or food or, or jewelry, I guess. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's okay to spend money. You absolutely should on things you value as long as you have it. And then, you know, going over the, the credit card statement conversations in the house with his kids, looking at each line item and having discussions around 
How can we save a little more money? How could we, what's another option instead of what I see here is maybe not the best way to do it. Let's talk about some other options that, that may, may be better, may help us save some money. It does start with conversations. Absolutely. Just the other day we had the opportunity, you know, teenagers are not really fans of talking uh, except talking back. That's their favorite activity. <laughs> but they usually do it in a grumble, like mumbling type of way, just far enough that you can't swat them for talking back, but close enough that you can hear what they're saying. But on occasion, you get that kind of perfect scenario where the iPhone has died, you're sitting in traffic, and the song sucks, and they have to like engage in conversation. And the other day we were talking, uh, my son and I were talking about taxes. And you know, taxes are not a super fun topic to talk about at any time, but it is tax time. And he just asked a real simple question, which was, how do I know how much to save for taxes? Like, how does, how does that work? Cause he'll start, he's going to start working this summer. He's 15. And so he's like, what's the mechanism for that? And it was a real tactical question, but it was something that was really interesting for him because he's our one that kind of plans and is a little bit of a worrier. And it's like, I don't, I wouldn't know how to think about this. And I said, Oh, well, when you get paid, they take a little bit of money out of your paycheck and you're responsible for kind of keeping track of it. But, you know, at the end of the year, they send you a statement and so on and so forth. And he's like, so if I made like a thousand bucks a week, I might only make really 800. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, crap. You know, so that's like that, you know, all of a sudden like, and then I got to save from that. And I said, yeah, well, now you get it, you know. And so you can use, you can use a lot of those real life things that we go through as parents and as adults to have as an entree into kid world. I had a client, OG, when I was a financial planner who would would deduct taxes from their kid's allowance. Yeah, we do it for Halloween candy. He would withhold taxes and the kids would get mad. What are you doing? And it would go into a giving jar and then they would decide where to give it later on. But he wanted them to know that the tax department was Department of Defense. Real. That's right. <laughs> he's sending it. He's sending it to knock down more balloons over Michigan, making sure nobody's spying he's sending on, it to on Doug. Urban development yeah. or whatever. I want to dive into uh, one thing, Dan, that you talked about, because it's the first thing that the Ramsey organization puts on this list of things to teach kids about money. They start off with earning money. Dan, is that where you start is teach your teenagers about earning money? Is that the first step? I would say so. I mean, it's not the first step, but it's when they get old enough to actually say, do some chores around the house or, or perhaps get a part-time job, then I, I strongly believe that you should, as a parent, you should almost require them to do something. It doesn't have to be, you know, even if they're just babysitting a little bit or mowing a lawn for a neighbor, they're earning some kind of income so they can get that value of a dollar and really know what that feels like. But many young people are some of them are extremely busy with sports or clubs or church, and that's that's great. But there's always time to do something. Some of them have a lot of time on their hands. And so a part-time job or a full-time job in the summer is something they absolutely can and should do. And so I highly recommend that. And, you know, like Josh was talking about his son getting a paycheck and taxes are withheld automatically. And so getting an actual W-2 job, I think, is awesome. That's a great way to do it. But then also having conversations with your your teenager or child about, what are some entrepreneurial ways, some side hustle type things you could do to earn some extra money like babysitting or mowing a lawn or shoveling or walking some dogs or house? There's so many examples that are more self-driven. <laughs> YouTube gamer. Yeah. Fortnite streaming. <laughs> a legitimate way to earn some money. Yeah. Yeah. But mom, I, mom, I'm going to be an influencer. I'm an influencer. 
I've got seven followers on Twitch. I got seven. <laughs> yeah. Like same here. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. They could have Twitch people following them and they are an influencer with Minecraft. They could yep. be making money and playing games. Katie, what do you think about that? Oh yeah. That's apparently my, um, my niece and nephew. That is what they're going to do when they grow up. I hope that works out for them. <laughs> the key, Katie, the key with Minecraft is to have them is to trick them into teaching you how to make TNT and then make it, leave it all over their map and light it on light it no. up and watch everything oh explode. Are you kidding and me? And then you go, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And then they're back to the square one again. That is so, so evil. You're the worst, Josh. <laughs> I know. Boy, boy, I can't, I can't figure out why OG's kids don't want to talk to him. Why they grumble. I have a, I have a video <laughs> of actually doing that where my, where my, the kids, I think the boys were like, we had just moved to Texas. So I think they were like six and four and they're like, no, just sobbing uncontrollably because. That is amazing. I TNT'd all of their, I was like, I didn't know. I thought you were just supposed to dig with this. And they're like, that's activating the TNT. Hey, if you guys don't mind, I have uh, more questions about earning money. Katie, Katie, I realize this has turned into Minecraft pod. Welcome to Stacky Minecraft podcast. Katie, uh, earning money. Kids start earning money at a young age. What are we, what are we teaching them about life? What, what are some of the skills you think that that teaches kids by having a job? You know, one of the things I, Josh was talking about how he has a worrier. I also have a worrier. So I think honestly, like having her just do something that's not the thing that she wants to do with her entire life that she might not be a thousand percent perfect at, but just something that she can do and she can earn money from, I think is super helpful. There's a lot of like children's personal finance stuff that talks about boring adult stuff that has nothing to do with them. I think as soon as they have a little bit of income, then suddenly the amount of interest goes from zero to maybe like 90. (laughs) Then they're a lot more open to like actually talking about, okay, well, what do I do with this? And do I need to set things aside? And how much should I be spending versus savings? And you've probably been talking to them about that the whole time, but it's a lot more relevant to them as soon as there's actually money in their pocket to make those decisions with. Oh, gee, I think there there may be a bigger downside just listening to Dan and Katie might be a bigger downside to not having your kids bringing in money. Like, I feel like if they don't have any work experience, they don't have any any experience bringing in money, then these skills they need to learn that float downhill from that, right? About saving, about not wasting money like those. You, you can't teach any of those if they're not bringing in money. We've paid the kids for just about everything except doing the dishes and making their bed. You know, anytime they do anything around the house. In fact, almost now we just had a had it a couple of weeks ago. My son wanted to buy an NFL jersey, and I said, uh, "Okay, I think that's pretty." Or a, a sweatshirt. And I said, "It's a little silly." You know, you live in Texas, you're growing like a weed, but yeah, you should definitely spend a whole bunch of money on it. And B wanted to, so that's fine. And I said, "Well, it's got to be your money." And he said, "Well, how many windows would it take?" And I said, "Well, how much do you want? Char- how much do you charge me for a window?" And he's like, 10 bucks." And I'm like, "No way!" And I like went back to my phone. And he's like, $8? And I'm like, not listening. And finally, we got down to like five. And I said, all right, five. And he's like, dad, six. That's a lot of windows. And I said, okay, we can do six. And so he sat there for the, you know, half the afternoon and went through and washed the inside and out of all the windows, which was great for me. And then he turned around and sent me the link on Amazon and said, here's what I want. And I was like, boom, done. Chipped it. End of conversation. 
And now he might realize in six months from now that that was a lot of work for that payoff that he wore that sweatshirt three times and now it doesn't fit. You know, that's what I was thinking. I think it's worth it putting on your Google calendar, OG, that um, like put it on your Google calendar six months from now. Like, was it worth it? Yeah, I'm, I'm a bigger fan just just by nature of being an entrepreneur and a high quick start and things like that. I'm I'm much more of a ready, fire, aim type of person. So I like the idea of the kids doing stuff and finding out that it didn't work. Like, it's okay with me. And that's, you know, some people would say, you know, having the credit card thing is really dangerous and that sort of thing. It's like, I got a limit on it. The most they can spend is a couple hundred bucks. It's not going to ruin me and it will totally ruin them. You know, yeah, if I took $200 out of their savings They've account. got training wheels on them, right? Yeah, I mean, like it's blow it up with 200 bucks. Yeah, not, it's better for them to learn those things when they're like 15 through 25 than it is for them yes. to not know anything. I mean, yeah. I work and, with a lot of younger clients and I have some people that like never took out a loan ever didn't have a credit card and oh my God, it takes so much time to like undo the fact that their parents just told them never to do any of those things. Or the other side of that, that's all they know how to do is take out loans and credit cards and they don't know how to pay any of it back. And you're like, that's part of it too. There's, there's no right, right or wrong way to do it. But I think the overarching theme I think that I hear is, is that the idea of just keeping it a secret, it's not going to do anything. You got to have space for kids and young people to explore this. I like what you're doing, Josh. And it sounds like this is what you're doing. You're allowing them to make mistakes. Yeah. And I tell parents I work, I work with all the time, you have to allow them to make mistakes when they're in the safety of your household and, and when they do have those training wheels and those oversights in place. Because once they're out in the real world, if they learn from their mistakes, then it's going to cost them a lot more money and set them back even further. So let them make the mistakes while they're living with you whether that's charging too much on a credit card, overdrawing a checking account, missing a payment, uh, you know, a due date, incurring some fees, let them have all that. Because we all know that's when you really learn your lesson is when you have to pay the consequence. So let them do it now. Driving a car through the garage. So wall. they don't have to have that mistake later. I think that's a great place to leave the first half of this discussion. There are three more areas that this Ramsey piece talks about. Next is setting up bank accounts. I want to ask you guys about that, about giving, about saving and spending. I also want to talk a little bit, Dan, about the difference between just giving people the basics and if we're really helping them toward maybe this early financial independence. Is there a different way we teach them, a different mindset we teach them? But before we get to all that, at the halfway mark of every Friday show, we have this year-long competition between our three regular contributors, which is OG, who's here today, Len Penzo, who's not here today. So Dan, you are playing for Team Penzo on this particular episode. And Katie, you are playing for Team Paulette Perhatch today. So uh, uh, Katie, we've got some good news and actually more good news for you. Would you like good news or more good news, Katie? Man, do I just automatically win this thing? Yay! (laughs) (laughs) The the good news is... The good news is, is that uh, Paulette last week made her way into a three-way tie. And because Paula Pant was so bad the first half of the year at this trivia competition, that when Paulette took over during Paula's sabbatical, that you still get to go last. So you get to hear what everybody else guesses. And Dan, good news for you, for Team Penzo. You guys are tied for first as well at two, but you get to go second which means OG is our reigning champion has to go first. So three-way tie, who's going to pull ahead? Well, we, before we know the answer to that, we got to get a question. Doug, what's today's trivia question? 
Hey there, sports fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and talk about lessons. Here's a lesson that every teenager should learn. Never answer the phone when telemarketers call. I should know because I'm now the proud owner of an extended warranty on the El Camino. Great coverage, but man, is it expensive. Well, we're talking all things telephones today because it's the anniversary of the first phone call. Alexander Graham Bell called Thomas Watson on today's date in what year? I'll be back with the answer right after I see if my neighbor's refrigerator is running. <laughs> do you gotta do you gotta be a certain age to know these these telephone pranks? Dan, do any of your students do these telephone pranks anymore? No, no. Oh man. No, I mean caller ID. Oh, right. they, they, it, kids yeah. don't talk on the phone. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. Uh-uh. They, do they, they text they text a random number. Is your refrigerator running? Yeah. All right. Katie's going last. Dan's going second. OG. Alexander Graham Bell called Thomas Watson with that first phone call in what year? Watson, come here. I need you. Isn't that what he said? Something said like something. So said something like, dude, did you order the pizza? <laughs> <laughs> it's here. So iPhone in what? Oh, six. Working backwards from the iPhone. <laughs> Be patient. We got time. Settle. Settle Settle peanut gallery. Did you guys used to have the thing where you could call? Did we used to be able to do this? You could like you hung up, like you could like hit the receiver a couple times and then you could dial your own number and it would ring your own phone. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I I remember that feature. Yeah. We were excited about the second line when we got internet. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, it wasn't a second line. It was like some glitch or something where you could like, if you did it in a certain order, then you could hang up, call your own number and it would ring. And so you could ring the person downstairs. If you were lucky enough to have two phones, we were. Is, is we this stalling while Josh is like downstairs. having an assistant look up the answer to this? <laughs> I have I have no assistant. <laughs> Chat GPT is my assistant today, but he is, he is not answering. So I think the answer is um, before... 2006, somewhere before 1990, there were phones, uh, 18 and 84, 1884. 1884, Dan, you think, uh, oh, geez, early, late. I think he's a bit early, but. To piggyback, I, we're going to get off tangent, but to piggyback off Josh's little trick, I do remember when you could, if someone in your house was on the on a phone call, you could quietly pick up the other phone. Yeah. It would click, but if they didn't, you could just listen in on their conversation, yeah. Um, yeah. which usually wasn't really that good. But, uh, yeah, but I'm going to guess. Yeah, but how about though? How about the times like when I was a teenager, Dan? I'm old enough that you you're sitting there having a conversation with your girlfriend. Meaning nobody's saying a word. You're just listening to each other breathe, right? For 20 minutes because you're a middle okay, school. bragger. And then, and then my, my, I'm just, I'm just impressed that you had a girlfriend, Joe. That's good. Jeez. Oh, I'm right here, Dan. I'm, I'm right here. But you're like, Ma, hang up the phone. Ma. No. She's trying to make a call while you're on the, you're talking yes. to her. Yeah. Yes. So embarrassing. Anyway, continue. But deep down, you were relieved because now the the phone call had to end, and you were your awkwardness was well. No, was then shut she down. would. Well, yeah, she would hang up, and then we could just both talk about how dumb our parents are, which is <laughs> fantastic yes. conversation, topic of discussion. I don't think that's ever. Yeah, that one's never died. Trivia. I bet they were. 
I bet they were doing that people. in 1884, even without uh, even without phones. OG. If I'm, I'm going to go uh, 1920. 1920. 1920. First Shot in phone the dark. Call. Shot in the dark. Uh, Katie Brewer, what do you think? Um, I'm going to say 1912. What <laughs> in the difference? Is there a is there a, a reason a thought process? A, no, no, actually, I was thinking somewhere around 1910 to 1920, and Dan just you know robbed that from me. So I'm just gonna go a couple years earlier. There we go. That was that was very friendly. At least you didn't nudge up next to him with the year right next to him. All right, we've got them locked in. We've got what 1884, 1920, and 1912. Those are our three guesses. We'd love to tell you who's right, but we don't play that way. We'll be right back. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because... Well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey, Staggers, this is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience. My good friend Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do. A shout out to, he is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there. Just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? Uh, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, here's a disclaimer. You got to join and open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. So get on it, stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account, $5 minimum balance to open. Maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things. They offer 24-7 help for their U.S.-based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to NavyFederal.org for full terms, conditions, and other offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA Equal Housing Lender. 
OG, you kicked it off with 1884, and apparently Dan and Katie both think that it was it was uh, significantly later than that. Uh, what do you I think? think? It's in the 1880s. It's like 1880, 1890, somewhere in there. I don't know, Dan. Easy. You feeling pretty good? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, you at all confident with the year the phone was first phone call happened? You know, I have a lot of really random facts in my head, but things about phone companies and uh, years of when phone service started are, are probably not. If it were about jewelry. My expertise. <laughs> when about did financial Kendra planning Scott or jewelry first. or being married to an engineer. What know, year was Kendall Scott Jewelry Company founded, right? <laughs> Kendra, not Kendra. Kendra. I don't even know. Oh, get it right, yeah. Dan. You idiot. Jeez. Golly. Dan. <laughs> not going to be part of the jewelry freaks. They'll be part of the <laughs> no. five freaks, but not the jewelry freaks. Well, let's see who's right. Is OG closer in the 1800s, Dan 1920, or Katie around 1912? Doug, you've got the answer, man. Hey there, stackers. I'm telephone prankster and party line aficionado, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. We all know that the first call was from Alexander Graham Bell to Thomas Watson, but what most don't know was that the second call was a butt dial from Bell. You know how hard it is to butt dial a rotary phone? Maybe no truth to that, but on that first call, Bell said, Mr. Watson, come here. I want to see you. Of course, Watson hung up before finding out that he, too, was being offered an extended warranty from Bell. But that's history. So when did this phone call happen? It was today's date. In the year, well, I'm not going to say that. What I will say was that Dan was 44 years off, Katie was 36 years off, and OG was just eight years off because the first call was in 1876. Earlier than any of you guys thought, the phone's been around forever. Well, he he calculated all of that from when did the iPhone come out? Starts with the iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> all came from the, the square iPhone. root of iPhone. You totally get it. It's obvious. <laughs> it's all science, people. That whole segment is science. Uh, speaking of science, the second half of the show is brought to you by Magnify Money. Dan, you know what happens when you go to stackybedjamins.com slash Magnify Money? I don't. Let me know. Oh, man. You're missing out, Dan, because... What you'll find out is that uh, those brick-and-mortar banks that a lot of people bank at, nowhere near as good as many of the online banks that are available. Higher interest rates, lower fees, tons of benefits. They're all ranked head-to-head against each other at Magnify Money. Head to stackybedjamins.com slash magnifymoney, and you can compare, ditch, switch, and save. Interest rates going up on high-yield savings accounts. Maybe a good time to do that. All right, second half of this party, let's start here Setting up bank accounts, Dan, they have as as number two. They t- talk about it in this piece as a rite of passage, setting up a bank account. When do you think that kids should set up their first bank account? Uh, early. Ear- earlier, the better, honestly. Just like a credit card, a minor cannot open up a bank account by themselves, and that's a good thing. So a custodial account with a parent is the best way to do it. Go to the bank, or if it's an online bank, like you're suggesting, which I agree with, go to the website parent opens up the account, but as the minor, and it is the minor's account, only their money goes in there. I recommend in my book, I talk to the teenagers about getting four bank accounts, one checking account, and three savings accounts, each with a different purpose. So yes, I'm a big fan of that piece of the article. Well, you can't, 
you can't leave us there. What are the three purposes? The savings account. So savings account number one, emergency fund. Savings account number two is a future investment fund. So any money that's going to go into a stock market or real estate or whatever. Savings account number three is your fun fund. Something you're saving up for like a trip or an NFL sweatshirt or a bike, something like that. I like the fact that you separate those those three accounts. And I'm sure the lesson here is not in setting up the account. It's about getting money into them. How do you encourage kids to save and use these accounts more? Uh, so for me, that goes back to a concept that we probably are familiar with called pay yourself first. I think that is probably the most important topic I talk about in my book, teaching our children, our teenagers about the concept of paying yourself first. So every every dollar that comes into their life, a certain percentage goes into those savings accounts. Um, first, funding the emergency fund. And I believe, you know, let's train our young people just like they would be in the adult world, three to six months of your expenses in that emergency fund. When, once that's funded, then you can be putting money into the other two accounts for future investments and, and fun stuff and getting that habit started early. Dan likes this, Katie, for teenagers, but as he's talking, you like that for adults too? Three separate accounts? Yeah. I mean, I always have them do at least two. I feel like having emergency savings mixed in with the fun money is just, it's not a great way to go because they get blurred and all of a sudden vacations are coming out of emergency savings or they just don't know how much they actually have saved for like the trip to Hawaii or something or Disney World or wherever it is that they they go. And also I like, honestly, I like being the financial planner that gives people permission to use their money and not just like, ah, 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 you always have to be investing it. And so I feel like that's a really important thing to, you know, if no one's ever taught them that before to teach them, it's okay. You can actually use some of your money. Just don't use all of it. Yeah. Reach the goals and then live your life. OG. So my comment on the bank account piece is I love setting up a bank account for kids and as quickly as possible, showing them how little money they're making by having their money sit in a bank account. Like sitting there being like, oh, hey guys, look, get your bank statements. They came. Look at that. You made one penny this quarter. (laughs) Ooh, good job. Nice. Now, how many years will it take at a penny per quarter for you to have more money? You know, and they go, this is sucky. I want my kids to recognize that you have to have savings for emergencies, but no other purpose. Like all of the rest of your money, if it's goal-related, needs to be invested. And and your best place to put your money is in the ownership of great companies and uh, all of the companies that they do business with every day, right? We were talking about Minecraft. The kids do business with Xbox and Microsoft. They do business with Apple and Amazon. All of these places that they already do business with, we want to be owners And I got lucky in that my boys were taught this like from 2016-ish through 2022. They watched nothing but the market go straight up. Then they got a great lesson in 2022 when the market went straight down. So that was a good part of that as well. But I, I want that transition to happen pretty quickly. Not that we have this rash of people in the United States or across the globe having way too much money in their checking accounts. Like that's not the issue that we have, of course. But the earlier that they get started on that compounding journey, the better for sure. But this is a great question and not just about teenagers, but we did a story a few weeks ago about the fact that 
Gen Z has done a great job of investing, has done a fantastic job investing. And a lot of people credit that to the fact that the stock market has gone up a lot during their lifetime. Until last year, it just continually went up. So it was natural to want to get involved in that. And plus, with the advent of zero fees and the excitement of Robinhood, right, we see a lot of teenagers that look at this as fun and man, investing, I could get rich tomorrow when you couple that with, with, with social media. So here's, here's my question to all three of you. Is it better to start on the investing end with a teenager with the Robin Hood approach? And let's learn a little bit about individual stocks when you're young and maybe get your butt kicked. Go ahead and do the options trades on Robin Hood or whatever you're going to do and get smoked and realize that might not be the way? Or is it better to start off with index funds and the slow and steady approach and diversification is the answer? Dan, let's let's start with you. Hmm. Uh, that's a good one. I would agree that today's youth, so Gen Z, which is like 15 to 25, they're definitely investing more than previous generations because it's so so easy to do that. And and when I teach my classes I and when we start talking about investing, I always ask, you know, how many of you currently are investing in the stock market? And it used to be only two or three in a class would because they had to do it through their parents. And so if their parents weren't involving them, then they would not do that. But nowadays, you know, it could be as many as 50% of my class. That's exciting. Maybe not quite that much. Yeah, but that's still they're great. Investing. Well, it, it's exciting, but it's also their methodology about how they go about it isn't always sound. So. <laughs> Right. What what I teach in my class and what I teach in my community too is that when it comes time to invest, the stock market is a great place to invest money, but you need to do it in a smart way, which first of all, that means long-term. If you're going to invest in the stock market, long-term is the way to go. If you're trying to do short-term investments, buy and sell, buy, sell, day trading kind of stuff, data shows you're going to lose money and you're going to lose it pretty quick. So what I tell my kids and in First 2 Million, I write about this as well, is that index fund investing, low-cost index fund investing is the proven method to invest in the stock market in the long term that's going to kick everything else's butt. So that's where you should go. Now, that said, when I talk to the young, I, you know, I say, many of you are going to listen to that. You're going to understand that, but you're going to say, I don't care. I want to I try it my way first. And that's okay. That's I did that, right? They want to go invest in Tesla or Apple or you, know, you name the hottest company that they're thinking about. And they want to try to make money, say, day trading or, you know, whatever they might want to do. And so I say, you know, that's okay. Just don't invest any money that you're not okay losing and try your strategy, see how it works out for you. And it might work for a while. It might even work for two or three years. But eventually, you're going to learn the lesson that that isn't going to work compared to an index fund long term. So the quicker you can go from where you are now to index funds the better. Some of you are going to listen to what I have to say and you're going to start right there because you don't need to learn your lesson. You don't have any interest in playing around. Um, Some of you, it's going to take you a few years before you learn your lessons enough that you're like, okay, I guess index funds is boring as they are. They're not sexy. That is the best way to go. And you know, I I talk about how Warren Buffett says index funds are the best way to invest for 98% of Americans. So I, I give them the freedom to do what they want because, again, it's their money, it's their life. But I tell them the quicker you can get from where you are now to the index fund strategy, the better. Katie, on board with that? Yeah, I mean, I always say, why not both? They can put money in the boring things because 
it's good to kind of build that habit, but I feel like also it gets them more involved when they can pick things that they're interested in. And sometimes just having that sparks being more interested in finances in general. So I'm like, it's just a behavioral thing. <laughs> if they want to go put, you know, a couple dollars in Tesla, I mean, can kids even afford Tesla stock? I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, they have to split it, you know, between a hundred friends to buy a couple of shares. I don't know, but I'm like, Hey, if they're going to invest in things that they're interested in, but maybe also put some stuff in, in the boring tried and true things, then I feel like at least that gets them interested, which is a lot better than most people in this country are doing. OG. I'm such a big fan of just letting kids nuke themselves that I love watching the train wreck. So we started, uh, Joe, you, you actually turned me onto this stockpile, which was a company that we recommended for a really long time for, you know, individual stock purchase. They changed their model not a big fan of it now. It is what it is. But it allowed you to to sit with your kid and uh, or whomever and buy the brands that they recognize. You know, kids recognize Minecraft. They don't necessarily know Microsoft. And they know Call of Duty. They don't know Activision. I'm just making that up. I don't know if even Activision's a, you know, a traded company. But anyways, so they can see those things and go, oh, I, I do business with those entities. So we did that early on. And like I said, we just got lucky and had a, a lot of success, you know, in the stock market overall. So it was pretty easy. Amazon, Apple, Tesla, Google, Facebook, Netflix, you know, you name it. Then the market started getting volatile during COVID. And my cautious child, the older one, was like, Dad, I looked at my account, it went down a whole bunch, and but it went up and then down. And, uh, I'm freaking out. And I said, Well, there's another way. And so we talked about that. He's like, Yeah, let's do that. But dad, I heard about this thing. It's called, you probably don't know it, Dad. It's called crypto. And I was like, oh, tell me more. I was wondering how many kids that raised their hands yeah. in the, how in many, the class. Tell me about that. And he tells me all that. about it. It's a new thing. And I'm like, cool. I'm, that's how much are we investing? And he's like, well, there's a company that's coming out. It's called Coinbase. They do it. And I can, I can get it right away. It's like $300 a share. I said, how many shares you want? He had $1,200 in his account. He's like, I'm, I'm going to take two. And I said, all right. So let's do it. I'll, I'll make sure it happens. So it IPO'd and I texted him. I said, hey, it IPO'd at 300. It's at 270. How much do you want? He's like, yeah, two, as many as I can get. And of course, as we know, Toynbase has gone down. By the time it got cut in half, he's like, uncle, I'm out. I just lost <laughs> more money than it takes me three years to earn in, in, in birthday gifts. I'm out. I get it. So I love the idea of giving them permission to do what interests them, do a little bit of both. But I'm going to try to tilt the scales in the favor of get smoked early just so that they learn the lesson with the $100 so they don't have to deal with it with the thousands. When do you bring up index funds, though, like Dan talked about? You know, you got these two choices. When, do you, when are you sharing yeah. that part of the equation with them? Well, as it evolved with, with my kids, because we were able to start with stockpile and then the volatility is really what did them in. And, you know, just having that conversation about, yeah, you own this a little teeny tiny bit of this big company that's great, but wouldn't it be better to own a little bit of all of the companies? Surely there's something that's doing well today. Yeah, restaurants suck or hospitality hotels are terrible during COVID, but Peloton's doing great. Oh, maybe we should have some of Peloton. Like, how do we? Here's the way to do that is you own this one thing, this one line item that has, you know, 14,000 different positions in it and, and you own a little bit of everything. So, 
That can Josh be tricks them by, you know, I am 100 percent. No, absolutely. <laughs> and then he's no, like, I want I, I want funds. them to be fooled. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the only way you can learn is experience. So experience with losing your money. That's why we do the dad buck thing, which we've talked about before. You know, I don't give my kids real money. My kids get fake money because I want them to have the experience of losing money, but not the real experience of losing money. <laughs> I want them to like misplace a fake $10. Like all of a sudden it's mine. Huh? Tough crap. Nope. You, know? you left it out. Yeah. You left it out. You didn't take care of your stuff. There's so many things on here. I'd, I'd like to talk about saving and spending, how to teach a budget to teenagers, things teens waste money on. There's a whole long list there. We got to have you guys back <laughs> yeah. to dive into like all those. Endless there. I know, right? The, the, the one thing I do want to talk about though, this idea of giving and just very briefly, Dan, obviously when it comes to financial independence, I mean, especially if you want early financial independence, there's a lot of filling those coffers quickly, but where does giving fit into your plan of teaching teenagers about money? I mean, it's, it's part of it. When we, uh, like when we practice making a budget in class, giving will be a line item in the template that I email out to them. But as a teacher, I, I kind of stand off on that a little bit. I think that's giving is, is very much a household topic and a family orientation type thing. So I don't, I don't preach that students should be donating X amount of their money to a charity or giving it away in some way, shape or form. I mention it, but I, you know, I kind of stop there and I leave that up to the the parents and the uh, households to make those decisions. But I think it's important. Yeah. But more of a parenting role. Yes. Yeah. Katie at your house, where does giving fit in? I'm going to be honest. I kind of think of giving as you can give money, you can give time, you can give expertise. So there's not just one way of giving. Um, and we talk about that frequently at my house. You know, I've got some charitable organizations that I'm pretty passionate in. And honestly, I do give my time and my expertise and my money to those charitable organizations. And so we have discussions about that. But also I'm, I don't know, I'm not a huge fan of like, this is the rule. You must always give X percent to whatever, you know, as I mentioned, I work with people usually in their twenties, thirties and forties. And sometimes they come in and they tell me the rule is I give X amount and I go, okay, great. I'm not going to ask you about that again. I'm not going to bug you to like reduce that. That's a non-negotiable. It's a non-negotiable for them. And I respect that. But at the same time, I don't have clients come in and I say, I, I noticed that you don't have a giving category on there. Tisk tisk, you know, mm. Because for a lot of people, that's different. And I feel like, you know, I can, I can give time. One of the organizations I like a whole lot is Junior Achievement, which didn't get mentioned in here, but they do a lot of teaching kids about money, honestly. And I love going and like spending a day doing that because that's something where I can spend a whole day. There's usually like a hundred to 150 kids involved because it's, you know, at a middle school or at a high school. And then I just gave of my expertise and my time. And I didn't necessarily also need to go write a check for a hundred dollars. Um, I kind of gave them their money's worth. <laughs> I had, I had a ton of fun teaching junior achievement. It was so fun. Such a good time. I, st- I think their curriculum is really cool. Uh, they give them debit cards. They let them play spend. And I think it's just very, um, it involves the kids where they are. OG giving for you. Yeah. I like what both uh, Katie and Dan have said here. The family, I think, is more important to have that conversation. And Katie, you know, not to repeat what you just said, but 
really the most important thing that you can give is your time because you can make more money. You can, you know, wait till you're dead and donate tens of millions of dollars or whatever. But that hour is worth, you know, you can, you can never get that hour back. And to, to spend that time or spend that day, you know, in something that you care about is, is probably the most important thing. And frankly, from a kid's standpoint, you know, Dan, you were talking about the kids having jobs, but they're in school or they're obviously they're in school, but they they have sports or they have club activities or whatever. It's like, no, it's totally fine to be busy. And so you take that hour on two hours on a Saturday, my son and my wife are involved in YMSL, which is a service organization for moms and their sons. And it's like, sometimes like dragging him, you know, it's like, dude, you got it. Let's go. He's like, but I've got so much to do. It's like, I understand, but this time is more important than all these other things. And helping kids understand that the the time piece is is the hardest thing and the most important thing to recognize is probably more than you know whether or not they give five dollars to to a charitable organization that they care about. So you're gonna have every college alumni association sending you hate mail after this, Joe. They're like, we don't want your time. We want your stinking money. We want your money. <laughs> Well, well college, it, that is true. But for most organizations, like, what are we good at? Like, we're good at writing. We're good at social media. We're good at financial planning. Like, imagine I could give a couple hundred bucks or I could teach them how to get the word out better about their organization, which is what, you know, I do locally. Yeah. I give some money, but I yeah. give a lot of time. And um, Chris Field was on the show recently. We did the rewind episode with him just recently talking about for a lot of people giving your expertise way better than just giving a little bit of money. So I, I agree with that, but you're right. The college just wants my cash, Katie. That's what they, MSU's never called me. They don't want your time. Yeah. <laughs> Michigan State University's never called me asking for me to go play football for them, which I'm still waiting because I'm, I'm available. But uh, yeah. Your eligibility is burned up, bro. I just, I just have, I just have one more question, Dan, and it's for you. And it's specifically about your book. What's the difference in the basics that we talked about today and turning somebody into a freak if somebody in, as a teenager is going to be a freak and go beyond the basics today, what's the difference there? Uh, that's a good question. So first of all, let's just call this what it is. My book is a book about money written for teenagers. And you can give that to 100 teenagers. How many of them are actually going to read the book? Probably five or 10 at the most. So knowing that when I wrote the book, I mean, I, I think parents can incentivize kids. Like if Josh said to his son, hey, if you read this book, I'll pay you $100 and Whew. it'd probably be a good investment. A good in book. Hundred uh, bucks, he pays no more than $6. We got to $6. $6. $6 a chapter, maybe. Come on now. <laughs> There's 30 chapters. So you just- Oh, there uh, it is. It's oh, even better. crap. <laughs> so the type of teenager that would read my book is someone who's very motivated. They're exceptional. They're, they're very different and that they do want to learn about their financial future now even though they're young. So they're freakish. They're different, right? That's where the theme comes from. And so the book does talk about basic personal finance, a lot of the stuff we've chatted about today, but it goes into that higher, I call it like AP level personal finance stuff around early financial freedom. So I talk about what are the other options that you could put yourself, other pathways you can put yourself on other than the nine to five till you're 65 grind. What are ways you could reach that point of, you know, quote unquote retirement otherwise known as financial freedom. How can you get there well before age 65? Things like entrepreneurial mindset, frugality, side hustles, passive income, real estate investing, house hacking, 
all these different things that are talked about in the communities that we know and love, but are very, very rarely talked about in regular conversations that normal people have. So if someone's, if a young person is motivated to go on that path, and it's pretty easy to, to get them interested in something about that idea of being able to even maybe even retire before their parents, uh, then this is the book that they should read. I think that's a great place to leave it. By the way, Dan, we'll link to your to your book on our show notes page at uh, stackingbenjamins.com, but available everywhere, I'm assuming. Yes, everywhere. First to a million. We, we just heard a little bit about what Dan's doing. OG, what do you got coming up this weekend, man? Spring break, bruh. Oh. Gonna go shred, shred some, uh, uh, I don't know. Money? What, how, what, we're going skiing. Yeah. Well, also, I'm shredding money. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> First thing that came to mind. I feel like I'm, I'm actually supervising. This is the year that I'll be supervising. I, I think I'm past the elasticity of my ACL. So I feel like I'll just maybe eh, just kind of slowly meander down a hill a couple, three times and uh, sip champagne. If you're at 8, over 30, feet. you're not shredding anything on the ski hill. Yeah, except except my ACL, basically. Except the ACL. So I so I don't want to do that. I I've I like my tendons right where they are. Katie, thanks for hanging out with us again. Great seeing you. What's going on at your richest life planning? Um, well, we've got the blog still going on. It's yourrichestlifeplanning.com slash blog. The latest one we put out was on money personality, which I think is quite important and it's something that I work with clients a lot just on knowing like what their kind of default way of thinking about money or dealing with money or not thinking about money and dealing with money is. And then also with couples, sometimes it's the same and sometimes it's not. And knowing about it ahead of time can help to uh, know when greater help is needed before it blows up things like marriages. That's fabulous. And so few people want to dive into that. It always frustrates me. People are like, no, 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 let's just talk about investing. I'm like, no, yeah. no, no, no. We got to get, we got to get deeper than that before we start saving money. Yeah. And that's I your, think your it's, a, it's a helpful tool for people to know about themselves. That's your slash blog. We'll link to Dan's book. We'll link to, we're not going to link to the YouTube footage of OG shredding his uh, ACL. We'll leave that alone, but we will link to Katie's blog. Uh, I'll put that show on notes at stackybetchmiss.com. some cocktails <laughs> at, the, at the ski you bar. You can shred that, right? All right. That's going to do it for this week. Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from the panel. Don't let your teenagers get a job. Don't let them establish credit. And whatever you do, do not talk about money and finances. See, I was paying attention. Second, our panel said a lot of words. I think I heard something about teaching your kids to invest early. Hey, pro tip, sure, index funds are the best way to go, but they're boring. So be sure to check the latest meme on TikTok for advice. But the big lesson, don't try and prank call me stackers. I'm on to the whole, we're calling to confirm your dentist appointment. You know how long it's been since I visited a dentist? You're going to have to up your game, scammers. Thanks to Dan Sheeks for joining us today. You'll find Dan's book, First to a Million, A Teenager's Guide to Achieving Early Financial Independence, wherever books are sold. We'll also include links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. 
Thanks also to Katie Brewer for hanging out with us today. You'll find Katie at yourrichestlifeplanning.com. Thanks to OG for joining us. Looking for good financial help? Head to stackingbenjamins.com slash OG for his calendar. This show is the property of SP Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023. and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show is written by Joe Salcihai with help from me, Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast, and Lacey Langford from the Military Money Show. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. (whistles) Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Youngkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decision, speak with a real financial advisor. Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome to the after show. You know, we talked about kids learning the basics of money. We talked about just, just man, and not even really teenagers. A lot of stuff we talked about today, just anybody learning the basics, regardless of your age. It's good stuff. We also talked, Dan, you talked at the end about 
kids uh, about teenagers getting ahead, right? I love the AP analogy. That's fantastic. If you want to get AP level uh, financially sound with your money. I want to go the other way though, man. When I was a teenager, we would do some dumb stuff, just some hilariously dumb pranks. My favorite, you know, we talked about how you you don't you can't do you can't do the the telephone pranks we used to do when I was a kid. But my favorite one, we didn't mention. Maybe you could, OG, do this one. I call up you, Dan, and I go, "Yes, is is Mr. Smith there?" And then uh, Dan, of course, you would answer. No, there is no Mr. Smith here. Oh, I'm very sorry. And I hang up. And then I call him back like five minutes later. Yes, I'm calling for Mr. Smith. And now Dan's a little pissed, right? A little bit like, oh, no, I told you there's no Mr. Smith. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. I call back five minutes later. Calling for Mr. Smith. I, I told you twice, kid. Stop calling for Mr. Smith. Like, stop it. And then I grab my buddy's phone and I call back three minutes later and I say, this is Mr. Smith calling. Are there any calls for me? And we always thought that was hilarious. And the person on the other end did not think it was funny, but, but you not, know, not when you're funny now, when you're 14 though, that was hilarious. You had to really commit to that one. I mean, Oh, you had to, because I got to tell you the third time you called, you knew you were getting it. I mean, you, every time we did it, you get it with both barrels. You're like, Holy crap, kid. You've called twice already. There is no Mr. Smith here. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So sorry. And, and that, 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 those kind of pranks only worked pre caller ID. Pre caller ID. Yeah. Well, probably would not go now. No. Yeah. OG, you, 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 uh, I, I was going to say that my dumb teenage I, stuff. I feel like you're, that was like a level one. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I'm at like level 940 based on, I have to rethink everything that I was about to say. Cause I'm like, Damn. well, that, that was a little, what? little docile for what I had was, to talk. Dave was talking about AP level. Let's talk about AP level stupidity. Yeah. OG. yeah. We would go through the drinking fountains in my school that nobody used and you'd plant rye grass in, in it and it just takes so quickly that the grass would like grow out of the drinking fountain which was pretty fun <laughs> um that was kind of a cute trick we did like vaseline on all the door handles that was a little destructive don't do that oh um, yeah but our favorite thing our, our our senior class prank was we took one of the teacher's cars it took an entire year to put this together we had to get a copy of the keys from the teacher so like Everybody knew about it. One person was able to, hey, I'll, oh, I'll move your car. And it was like, boom, I've got the keys. We can run them to the key shop, da 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 da. Make, like, put that in reserve. And then we were able to take the car and move it into the common area of the school through the gymnasium in the middle of the night and take all the wheels off, hide them throughout the gym with riddles and limericks no. for each one. <laughs> no. Yeah, it was uh, no harm, no harm done. Everything was, you know, it was uh, it as was, long as you it don't was get caught, except oh, we percent got caught because I went to a private school and in chapel, the president or whatever just started reading off senior boys' names, and he pretty much nailed like eight of the eleven. <laughs> like it was like Mister Mister So Why don't you all stay after for a little bit? We have some things to talk about. And we're like, <laughs> he thinks it's us. You know, so don't do that either, folks. But uh, as as a teacher, I, I yeah, you know, you know who it is. 
<laughs> yeah, we a hundred percent knew they hundred. I mean, it was a full on operation. It was, uh, it was pretty awesome, honestly. And we did it without any damage, which I think, you know, we weren't, it wasn't destructive. That wasn't the idea. It was just a, just to be when, funny. When so Dan if anybody's said, listening to this and they recognize that from, uh, you know, the mid nineties as something they might've seen, you know, you know who you are. When Dan said we, as a teacher, we know who it is. I feel like he was looking right at me. I didn't. I didn't appreciate that, Dan. Would you have been on oh. team car theft, Doug, or would you have been on team rat out the car theft? I, I I've totally like rat out the car theft. Absolutely, you're rat out. <laughs> oh yeah, I knew it. Especially if I it's you. It. Absolutely, if it's it. you. I knew it. You can't be trusted. Katie, were no, you I an angel? I, was, I think I was always too practical to be a good prankster. Like I'm oh. thinking through it, and I'm like. You know what? Friends would say, let's go toilet paper so-and-so's house. And I'd be like, do you know how much toilet paper costs? <laughs> My grandma told me to only use like two squares. I, only you know? two like, squares. I think I was, yeah, I think it, it, I guess grandparents that grew up in, in the great depression. <laughs> but imagine, imagine Katie, kids that wanted in. to, kids that wanted to teepee houses during the pandemic. We had the toilet paper shortage. You kidding Man, me? I'd be pissed if I was a parent. I'd, I'd be, be like, "No, you did not use what? that good toilet. Sweet paper. toilet paper. The toilet You'd paper people out there again, harvesting toilet paper out of the yeah, yeah. climbing the trees, <laughs> getting it back. <laughs> Heck yeah, this is still neighbors good. Re- neighbors running out there to take it down for him. I'll, I'll help yeah. you. I got it. Yeah, Dan. There's no way as a teacher, you you probably can't tell yours because you might have a student <laughs> listening. Uh, but I will. Uh, <laughs> There you I, go. Mine's kind of in between you and Josh. I think one that I remember was uh, my best friend and I, um, it was election season in our small little town and where we grew up. So a lot of the yard signs were everywhere for, for mayor or senator or whatever. They were everywhere. So we went around, drove all around our neighborhood, threw all these signs in the back of our, this is like in the middle of the night, like on a Saturday, threw all of them in the back, uh, in the trunk of our car. Um, then drove over to one kid's house and just hammered his entire yard with like 200 of these election signs, which I think might be some kind of a f- state or federal offence. <laughs> now it's that, like right I up there know. with stealing mail. Yeah, stealing yeah, maybe. Signs, uh, you know? <laughs> and so we, yeah, and, and of course we had to drive by the house 12 times to admire our our handiwork, but it was uh, it was pretty impressive. Is it, it took, bad to is it bad to admit Dan that we do that every election with friends of ours still? <laughs> we still do that. Some of us never grow up, Joe. Some of us never grow up. It's so fun. But you're right. I'll drive not even 12 times. I'll drive by it maybe 14 times. Come on, Doug, yeah. bring it home. What did what did uh neighbor Doug do? The best one that I can think of that I did participate in. I wasn't the ratter outer. I was a participant because I had skills. It, it, this was early college, so just a couple of years beyond beyond high school. What you guys are talking about, but we had one guy in the house I was living in. Wait who, a minute, second year of college is just a couple of years after high school. Yeah, did you take like five gap years, Joe? No, <laughs> before I'm college. Just, I'm just glad you spent time explaining that. You know, second year of college, which is just a couple of years after high just school. Just a little bit after when you guys were That's being the, hooligans. The progression down. So Thank we you. had a kid who was just barely barely staying in school and he realized oh man i gotta buckle down or i'm about to flunk out so he spent weeks and weeks and weeks stopped drinking stopped partying of any kind and he was studying to his credit he was studying his ass off 
and he would go to the stacks to the library and and study until wee hours of the morning and he was pretty burned out and we knew that he had very little mental faculties left so he thought he's vulnerable let's go after him <laughs> so <laughs> the guy who can't even afford a prank against him <laughs> so we had we'd been doing a bunch of work in the house like fixing up the house we were living in so we had some materials around and and I'd done some drywalling myself so we uh we decided we were going to make his room disappear so he came home from the stacks one night and he went to go into his room and his door just disappeared we had drywalled over his door mudded it taped it painted it hung a picture over it put a trash can there and he- we all stood and hid and just watched him completely baffled on how then he went up. He went up a flight of stairs, thought he was on the wrong floor, came back down. We've got pictures of him just like gently grazing his hand over the wall like there was a door <laughs> here when I left. And I just thought that was hilarious. And nobody got hurt. And that we left the door open behind the drywall. So once we all had a good laugh about it, he crashed through like the Kool-Aid man and fell asleep at two in the morning that's a lot of work man it was a lot of work but god it was worth it it was so worth it i love that prank 